No, I feel a little special. I feel like I get to be a little set aside. Um, contrary to popular belief, my last name is Harvey, um, not Hervey. And so um, some of you guys, I have never been in the club of misspelled last names. And so now I feel like I get to be in a club with you all. So thank you for that. Um, also just learned that that thing is called a bump. So we're, we're learning new things every day. Um, so I get to serve as the area director for West Ada Young Life. Um, so that means all the schools in the West Ada School District. And so I am in the middle of the mud with you all here in the Treasure Valley. And um, Young Life started 80 years ago by a man named Jim Rayburn. He was a Presbyterian youth pastor and he was wondering why no kids were coming to his church. He was like, where, where are all the teenagers? And lo and behold, there was a group of women, a group of older ladies, praying for the teenagers at Gainesville High School. And so they met up, right? The, incredible how the Holy Spirit intercedes. And Jim said, you know what? I'm not waiting for them any longer. I'm going to where they're at. I'm going to walk across the street to Gainesville High School and learn the language that they're speaking. I'm going to become experts of their culture. Um, and so Young Life is a tool um, it's an organization, and it's an incredible organization. It's in about 103 countries, and I've had some of the best friends throughout it, but it's really just a tool. And so in Young Life, we're just super passionate about reaching adolescents, and Young Life is just the tool that we get to use. Um, and so when Robert asked me if I would speak, um, he asked if I would speak on bringing hope to this, to this generation. It was like a super easy task, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, hope is, like, super easy to find these days. Like, teenagers are super hopeful, right? So thank you, Robert, um, for that. But you also have to speak on this, so we're going to have fun together. Um, but if I'm being honest, um, I have really been mourning the loss of things that were taken during the COVID period. And so isn't it ironic that God asks us to speak on behalf of the things that we're currently wrestling through? I'm wrestling through the pride of saying, man, like we're ministers of the gospel. Young life, we're relational ministry. And so just because we can't physically be with each other or we have to do stupid things on Zoom or we have to stand across and sit in our cars, like doesn't mean ministry should stop happening, right? But things look different. Our culture looks different than it did two years ago. And I've really been wrestling with God about what's going on in our world today. And I know you all have too. Even what's happening today, right, in our world and the truth is that our circumstances probably won't change, um, or they might not change. But the beautiful thing about it is we are tethered to hope itself, which is Jesus Christ. And so isn't that awesome? Yep. And so I'm a definition gal. I love to like think about words in different ways. So I have a couple words that were Webster Dictionary today together. And so hope, um, this is definition of hope. It says, to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence, to believe, desire, or trust. Believe, desire, or trust. Those are some pretty hard things to do right now, isn't it? Some pretty hard things for our teenage friends also. Now, I don't need to get into the details of everything that middle school and high school students and even college students are walking through. We've heard the statistics. We've heard the stories. Um, they are dealing with everything at unprecedented rates. And to add to that, they're just teenagers, right? We were all teenagers. Um, and so middle schoolers are super literal. I'm extremely sarcastic, for better or for worse. And with middle schoolers, I have to watch what I say, because if I say something, that is truth to them, right? And our high school friends live in a world of permanence. 
So everything that they experience is dramatized, it's made way bigger than it might be to us, but it's because they think that the way they feel right now is gonna be how they feel forever, right? I have, I have a cousin who graduated from high school in 2020, and I was talking with him, and he was saying, yeah, like, I just don't understand the purpose of like going to college or getting a job or literally doing anything because the world's just gonna end soon. It's gonna implode in and on itself. And it's like, that's literally what they think. And they don't realize that there is like more to come. And so we get to enter into that. Now I was, if you wanna know what like brokenness looks like, go sit in the middle of the student section at a high school basketball game, right? I lead Young Life at Eagle High School. Go Mustangs, they got totally wrecked last night um, by Oahe, but we also love Oahe, it's fine. Um, but a couple weeks ago, I found myself in the middle of the student section at Eagle High School, and I normally go to the games, and my, my game plan is to like go in there during halftime, to like say, hey, get to meet new kids, hang out for a bit. And what happened was the third quarter starts and I'm now stuck in the student section, right? They're like, hey, uh, Michelle, we're going to start doing the roller coaster now. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Um, I'm like literally stuck in the middle. And I just had that moment of like, I am so physically uncomfortable being in this space right now. Like I wasn't even in my own student section at my high school like 10 years ago. And so um, I'm in the student section and I'm, I'm hearing all of the side conversations going on. And all of a sudden, I just feel my body tense up, right? And I'm just feeling the weight of what they're walking through. I'm feeling out what conversations are being had. And I just have this moment where I'm like, man, the brokenness is so real. Like, what good am I even doing being here? And I know a lot of us have felt that also. And so um, Leonard Ravenhill, he's a Christian evangelist and author, and he says this. He said this in the 1950s. So... He says, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. The more joy you have in the Lord, the less entertainment you need. Entertainment is at an all-time high because there is no joy. That was said in the 1950s, y'all. That was almost 70 years ago. That was 70 years ago. And like, if we thought entertainment was at an all-time high then, then we are sadly mistaken for what's going on in our world today. And here's the thing about joy that I love, is that whenever we see joy being brought up in the Bible, it's when something is lost and then it's found, right? And so I had this moment where I'm sitting in the middle of the student section and I'm like, God, why is this, like, why are things the way they are? Everybody is so broken. I'm so broken. We're all walking through our own mess, right? And thank God that we have a God that lets us wrestle with him. And so what good will this even do comes to mind. But here's the beautiful thing, is that when there is a lot to be lost, there is also a lot to be found. And so we're going to dive in. Um, I, like, when we talk about the church, right, like, why are people not coming to church? We, we've talked about that. And here's the beauty when we feel overwhelmed with the church. The church is an inanimate object, right? It's just made up of a bunch of broken people trying to love Jesus well. And so... And my encouragement to you is let's just be a group of people that go after kids. Let's not wait for them to come to us. Let's go to them and be, invite them in to be curious. That's all we're being asked to do, right? And so where does this take us? Well, it takes us to Mark 6, 30 to 44. Um, Ron said it best. Robert gave me a scripture, and you know we're going to go after it. And it's funny what the Lord does with that, right? Because it's like feeding the 5,000. It's one of those stories where you're like, awesome, feeding the 5,000. Like what more is there to say on this? And then, you know, the Lord kind of slaps you in the face a little bit, and here we are. Um, 
So here's the thing I love about feeding the 5,000 is it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. And so if that's not Jesus flashing like major green lights saying, hey, everybody pay attention to this. I don't know what is. And here's also what I love about Mark's account. Mark is simple, powerful, and straight to the point, right? He's a TikToks of the social medias of today. He knew that in 2022, our attention spans would be about 15 seconds long. And so he's like, I got you guys. So yes and amen to Mark that there's so much power packed in just a few words that he has. And so we love Mark. We honestly, we walk through Mark all the time with our kids because it's simple and it's straight to the point. And so we're going to dive into this scripture, and my hope is that we can read it and it, become, it can become a new to us, right? I'll never forget, I was giving a talk at Eagle Young Life Club, and I was talking about Jesus walking on water. And again, I had that same feeling of like, man, I've read this story so many times. It can feel so mundane to us, right? We're like, oh man, how do I make this like more exciting? And then you feel the conviction, your stomach turn, and you feel like, okay, like God's going God's gonna to show me something. So I show up, and I'm talking about Jesus walking on water and how he invites Peter in. And directly across from me, I'm looking at a senior in high school from Eagle High School. He's never heard the gospel before. And his jaw is literally on the floor. His eyes are open. He's like, what? He walked on water? And so that has been the greatest gift that God has given me when I read through scriptures that I've read through a million times before, is may we have the identity of a high schooler right now, walking in, hearing this for the very first time. And so it says this, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So the disciples, they've been out and about, they've been serving the Lord, they've been doing all their things, spreading the good news, and they're tired and hungry. And how many of us have been serving kids and we are tired and we are hungry, right? We all know that tired and hungry together, hangry, it's never good. We're always on the edge, right? You're like, if one kid says one more thing to me, like, we're going to have to, like, I'm going to have to apologize and do this whole thing. Um, So that's where they're at, right? But Jesus, Jesus identifies that and he says, hey, I want you all to go away and rest for a while. Not for just a quick second. Um, like true rest with him. Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Okay, so picture yourself, right? You're with your homies, you're with your middle school and high school friends. It's been a crazy day. You're like, okay, we're going to go rest. And so you start walking, and then all of a sudden, they start, like, running ahead of you. And you just have that moment where you're like, okay, like, what do, what do I do in this moment? But here's the best thing, is that Jesus knows, right? Like, okay, they need rest. Um, and Jesus has compassion. And compassion means sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate it. So Jesus just doesn't see them. He's not like, oh yeah, these people, like they need something. He sees into them. He wants to instill hope into them where hope was not yet found. Jesus is always ready for us. Do we believe that? Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. 
This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but I feel like we've all kind of been in this spot where they're tired, right? They do care. They do care. They've been able to identify, right, that there are needs with these people. But what happens is they, they start to analyze the situation. They're like, okay, like all these people have come to a desolate place. Like we're hungry, they're hungry. Um, so we, we need them to go out and eat. They've analyzed and assessed the situation, and they're just not sure if they're ready to jump into the mess. They say, let them help themselves. They got this. But he answered, meaning Jesus, and he says, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine like, being in that moment? You're like, Jesus, they need to go eat. And he goes, hold up. Don't you have something? I've called you to this. No, no, no. You give them something to eat. They immediately start questioning Jesus, right? So Jesus says, they say to Jesus, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, in this room, we are either like youth pastors, nonprofits, like church leaders, eight months worth of wages. That's a lot of money, right? And so they immediately question Jesus. They're like, are you sure, Jesus? Like, you've got to be kidding me. How many times have we questioned Jesus, right? Where you feel that conviction in your soul, and you're like, man, I don't know about this, Jesus. Like, I'm not sure, like, you understand the situation that I'm in. Um, these kids are broken, right? You're like, man, what, what good will this even do? These people are so hungry, what good will this even do? And I love also that God just allows them to be honest, Right? He allows an exchange with them where they get to say, Jesus, this is all we have. Are you kidding me? Are you sure? That Jesus invites us in to wrestle with him, to be truthful and honest. And are we doing that the same with our high school friends, right? Are we saying, hey, come on in and let's just be curious about this thing. Let's have a dialogue. Let's have an exchange, right? They know all about being a Sagittarius. So they've obviously been curious about their birth sign and all the things. So what if we invite them in and say, hey, let's just dive into this and see what happens. Are we meeting them where they're at? And I love what Jesus says next. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. What do you have? I'd love for you to all go take inventory of what you have. And now there's two ways that we can look at this, right? Look at what little we have, right? You've taken inventory and you're like, man, we've got nothing. Or man, look at how much we've been given. Isn't this awesome? And if I'm being totally honest and transparent with you all, I've been in this season where I'm like, God, we have so little to give. Like, I'm so overwhelmed by all the brokenness and all that's lost, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm sad, but I'm tethered to your hope. And so what is there to give? But he's asking us to look and say, man, look at how much I've given you. Don't you trust me? So it says this. When they found out, they've taken inventory, they said five loaves and two fish. Now, it's interesting here that Mark fails to mention where those five loaves and two fish came from, right? They come from a little boy. He sends Andrew out to go figure out something, and they come up with this little boy says, I've got these five loaves and two fish. Jesus doesn't need us, right? He has ideas. He's a God universe. He can do whatever he wants. But isn't it amazing that he chooses to use us? He chooses to use our creativity and our ideas. 
And also the loaves didn't have to go through any sort of inspection, right? He's not like, okay, yeah, bring me the loaves. Okay, um, where's your baker's license? Okay, let me look at this. Oh, are you aware there's actually um, 30% here is gluten-free? And so like, well, how long have you been a baker? Right? He's just like, yeah, oh my gosh, the loaves, great, awesome, let's use it. And are we instilling that in our middle school and high school friends that when they hear about Jesus and they say yes to Jesus, then are we telling them, hey, you have received the secret to full life, the high highs, the low lows, and everything in between. And are we casting vision into their life to say, hey, I need you now to go walk the halls of your high school. And you're not allowed to show up to Young Life Club unless your car is full of your friends, because this is no longer for you. And the heart of Young Life is to plug these friends into the church so we deeply care about what the church looks like. Jesus doesn't care what it looks like. He says, what do you have? You're going to Costco today? Invite a kid to come alongside with you. You have your own kid's t-ball game on Saturday? Great, invite a kid along that has never experienced what a healthy family system looks like. He says, use what you've got. It's really so simple. Verse 39, when Jesus directed them to all the people, they sat down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. It's not even to account for the women and children that were there, right? So there was a million more. And they all were satisfied. The broken pieces of bread and fish they used and more came. Where are my leftover people's at? You love some leftovers? I love that Jesus cares about the leftovers, right? He doesn't want anything to be lost or wasted. And so he's like, I'm going to use literally everything that we have because I love to do a lot with a little. The little boy said he was 100% in. He said, someone said, hey, can you help us out? And he said, yes, this is what I've got. Let's do it. The question is, are we 100% in? When God asks us, what do you got? Are we willing to say, everything that I have, God, it's yours? They sat, they broke bread together, and they shared their stories. It's so simple, y'all. Enter into the life of kids and be curious. Invite them in to be curious about who Jesus is. We've been here for three days, right? You all have a tool belt now of incredible new tools, and sometimes that can feel overwhelming when you leave a conference like this. And I'll say, too, the number one time for spiritual attack is after something like this, right? We're like, man, I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling encouraged. I've gotten all these new tools. Let's get this. But here's the thing is that we cannot be paralyzed by the overwhelming information that we have because we must move our feet. Because here's the good news. I am not Jesus. Shocker, right? You are not Jesus. We, the church, are not Jesus Christ himself. Now, he left, and he gave us the greatest gift ever, the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so, you guys, the gospel is so simple, and it's so powerful. He says, hey, say yes to me and enter into people's lives. Be your most authentic self. Do not try to be like anybody else. Do not try to have your program look like anybody else. Right during COVID, we're all like, oh, this person's doing this, and this is this, and this church is doing this. He says, no, 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 I just want you to be yourself, And I want you just to enter in and just ask questions. 
What if we had a posture when we were going to hang out with kids of, man, I gotta, I gotta have all the right answers. I gotta have all the things dialed in. Yeah, we do need to be educated and we need to unlearn some things to learn new things. But also, what if we just had a posture of saying, man, I hope that after I have an encounter with a middle school or high school student, that they leave with more questions than they came with. Because that invites them to be curious about who God is. God does not ask us to save people, right? That is his work to do. All we're, all we're supposed to do is be called into the mess to be curious, to listen, and to hope for what we cannot see. The gospel is simple and it's powerful. My life was radically changed as an 18-year-old at the University of Oregon because somebody told me that God, the way we know what God is is to look to the person of Jesus Christ, the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know who God is, look to the life of Jesus. Oh, by the way, you can have a personal relationship with him, and I'm going to walk alongside you to do that. It was so simple. I hated everything else that happened that night, but when I heard the simplicity of the gospel, everything was changed. And so let's not be overwhelmed. Let's take all these tools and let's move our feet. And so I'd love to close us. Um, sometimes other people's words are better than our own. And so I had, you know, this is just a free promo, Moments with Our Savior, Ken Geyer. It's an incredible devotional. Um, and I would love to just pray um, this prayer over us as I close my time with you all. We might go, you know, two minutes over, so I'm going to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Um, and as we're praying through this, I would love for you all to think of one student, one middle schooler, one high schooler, one college student, maybe it's a neighbor or somebody in your life that you feel God saying to you, hey, I just want you to be curious about their life. Just start asking questions. It's really fun to be curious, right? So let me pray this over us. Dear bread of life, I confess that sometimes I feel so inadequate to meet the crowd of the needs that surrounds me. Like that little boy with the lunch basket, I feel that the loaves I have are so small and the fish so few. So how far will they go among so many? And yet I know that you manifest power through the weak things of this world. You used a barren couple past the age of childbearing to create a nation as populous as a sand on the seashore. You used a young shepherd with a slingshot to slay a giant. You used a poor little boy with five flat loaves coarsely ground barley bread, and a couple of small fish to feed thousands. Help me to see, Lord, that this is how you characteristically work. Help me to see that I don't need the adequate bank account Philip recommended or the abundant assets Andrew hinted at. All I need is to have a place that I have in your hands like that little boy did. Give me the faith to realize that you will bless what I give no matter how small the loaves or how few the fish. No matter how meager the time or the talents or treasures I place in your hands you will multiply them. I don't have much, Lord, but I give you what I have. Take my coarsely ground life and my small skills that accompany it. Take them into your hands, Lord. Bless them, multiply them. Use them for your glory and for the good of others. Help me to realize that you are the true bread of life. Whenever pangs of hunger grab out my soul, help me to see that the bread in other windows, no matter how seductive to the eye or sweet to the taste, is not what I should be eating. Train my spiritual palate to long for you and teach me that you are my daily bread and all the bread I will ever need. Lord Jesus, I have a friend that has never tasted such bread. I want you to think about that person right now. She has sampled from life's smorgasbord, tasted from all that life has to offer, but she is starved for something more, starved for love, for acceptance, for forgiveness, for meaning and purpose. Help me to lead her to you, Jesus. 
Prepare her heart so that I might be as someone once said, merely one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Amen. Thanks, friends.